This episode brought to you by the amazing team at The Hidden Sea Wines. They're committed to removing the equivalent of 10 plastic bottles from the world's oceans for every bottle of wine they sell. The Hidden Sea, wines that matter for people who care. As we hurtle towards the end of season two, can you believe it? Things take a big turn in episode eight. As Carrie finds herself fully immersed in the Aiden love bubble once again, she has big questions about her marriage to Big. Miranda and Charlotte both have issues around work, and there's a really interesting shift in the Carrie-Seema friendship dynamic that I look forward to exploring in this podcast. So, joining me to review Episode 8, TV, radio presenter, columnist and journalist from The Australian, Jenna Clark. Welcome, Jenna. Sammy, I've been hanging out to speak with you for so long, I cannot wait to talk about my two favourite things, Sex in the City and, and Just Like That. Amazing. Well, this is the first time we've had you on the podcast. Tell me about your relationship with Sex in the City. Well, growing up in uh, the late 90s, early aughts, when Sex in the City first came to the fore, I remember every, like, Tuesday or Thursday night, it was like 9.30 at night, and it was only, we only had one or two TV channels where I grew up in regional WA. So when you would hear that iconic opening, like, do, you know, do, the piano do, and do, the... Do, yeah, <laughs> I would just be like, oh, okay, I need to watch this. And so you'd watch it and everyone else would be in bed and it would be like 9.30 night. And it was quite a revolution. It was interesting because I was only in high school, but I think when you look back and, and watch it, you kind of think, wow, considering everything that, that people were being served uh, back in the day, you know, you've come out of the Aaron Spelling days where yeah. there were the typecast female roles of like the femme fatale, the bitch next door. Um, I remember like a Melrose Place yeah. and even Beverly Hills had even um, marketing material that had, you know, the bitches back. And then you have these explosion of Samantha Jones, Carrie Bradshaw, Miranda Hobbs and Charlotte York. And you were just like, wow, what? what is this? Sure. I think you look back now, if you look back and kind of go, there was, there was a lot of problems with it, but at the time it was incredibly revelatory. Yeah. So a lot of people are hate watching and just like that. I've decided I'm love hate watching it because I love it. And sometimes I hate it. (laughs) And then sometimes I love that I hate it and I hate that I love it. So uh, where do you sit with, and just like that? I've watched the first season and I was like, you know, it is what it is. It's, It's fine. I think that's, I don't know, maybe you just, because you put so much into, you know, growing up with these characters of such. Season two, I didn't really like the start. It was the same old sort of labour jokes. They were just trying to shoehorn, you know, tokenism and diversity into it. I didn't find Che very appealing as a character because it, they just felt quite forced. Whereas it got to see, like the episode four and there was this break moment where you see um, Seema really come to the fore, develop their plot lines. Charlotte kind of broke out into her, into her own and Miranda, we saw her take a different path. And I just fell back in love with it. Mm. We have invested so much in these women <laughs> over the years and it's hard to mm. let them go. Even though this show is problematic in many ways, I'm I'm not ready to let them go yet which is why I love doing this podcast and talking to true fans like yourself. So let's dive right in. I think we should start with the the big one, the truth bomb of all Mm. truth bombs. Carrie and Miranda go for their walk after lunch. They're having one of those chats I love so much between these two women. And Carrie's in her full relationship bliss bubble with Aiden. And Carrie says she's been asking herself, was the connection with Aiden always there and she didn't want to accept it? And then the clanger, I've been asking myself, was big. A big mistake. How did you react yeah. in that moment? I literally fell off my chair. 
she's not in the right frame of mind. Like, I think you hit the nail on the head. She's in this bubble and we've all been in the bubble where you ignore red flags and you wear flat shoes when you're Carrie Bradshaw. Did anyone else notice that she was wearing flatties? I think they were Birkenstocks, like the, the little oh, I noticed, I buy anymore. Oh, we're going to talk about fashion mm. later, but that dressing gown, what on <laughs> Was that actually a dressing gown, like a full-length dressing gown? <laughs> was it or was that fashion? I, I could... It was making me itch just watching it. And that wasn't, that was just the, I I felt really upset about that because I think that she's just now, she's, I get it. And, and I, I, again, I've never had any horrific experience of being a widower or, or anything like that. But I'd, I'd love to see how other people with real life experience with that um, would react. I just thought, mm, I just don't think you can rubbish a relationship that you invested more than 20 years in running around town, you know, it was basically mm. a 15 year one night stand. And then you ended with this lovely marriage, you know, that you, you, you both seem to be, you know, get on well and it ended way too soon. And the fact that she sort of said that mm. it, it, it really irked me. And it, and it started putting a chink in the armor of which I had for Carrie Bradshaw. Yes. And now I'm totally off her. We really have a lot to discuss on that, but I just want to jump in and say what I found mm more jarring I think about this scene was the fact that Miranda had nothing to say. Carrie drops this crazy clangor. Miranda's silent and they walk for a bit and then Miranda says I don't know what to say and I'm like Miranda say something! (laughs) Say something! Miranda would not have kept quiet in that moment. The Miranda that we know and love would have a lot to say. Yeah I mean she looks shell-shocked but then also you kind of you sort of think that she is, and like she readily admits, she's what she's a divorced former lawyer, <laughs> confused alcoholic. So she's got a lot going on. <laughs> lot, yeah, maybe she's like on. can't deal with your bullshit anymore. I've been dealing with this issue with Big <laughs> for twenty years. So we will need to have the conversation, Jenna, that Miranda could not have with Carrie in that moment. So yes, is it yeah. just the rose-coloured relationship glasses Carrie has on? Is she in some kind of sex haze? I just feel like she then goes on later to confirm it. So in that moment with Miranda, she says, oh, I wonder if he was a big mistake. And then later, Che asks the question, why didn't you and Aiden work out the first time? Carrie says, because I made a mistake. And I just, I am a big fan. I have always been team big. I feel robbed. I feel cheated. And if they now just try to pretend big was a big mistake and Aiden was always the one, I will never forgive any of them. I know this doesn't make good content, but I'm on a total unity ticket with you because, <laughs> I mean, the connection with Big was completely different to Aiden. And that's, I think that this is the issue, which is a storyline of which they compared and which they used in one of the earlier seasons of the original Sex in the City. Every relationship is different. And the energy is just completely different between mm. Big and Carrie as it was with Aiden and Carrie. And I was hoping that she was going to qualify when she spoke about the big mistake, saying the big mistake was cheating on you, treating you terribly, so so much so that you won't even come back into my into our former home. Um, I think this is going to end in tears, absolute tears. Well, it's either going to end one of two ways, right? They're going to ride off into the sunset together or it's going to end badly again. I wonder why they can't accept the idea that you can have more than one the one in your life. I've always said this. There can be Mm. multiple ones, right? 
I don't think there's just one, mm. the one for everyone. Throughout your lifetime, you can mm. meet a few people that could be the one, but it's about meeting the right one at the right time. So when she was with Aiden, mm. yes, absolutely he could have been the right one, but it was not the right time for Carrie. It probably wasn't the right mm. time for Aiden. I mean, when Carrie first met Big, it wasn't the right time for him. He married someone else. So why can't they <laughs> yeah. just say, okay, well, you you were the one. It wasn't the right time then. It is the right time for both of us now. And I would be much happier for Carrie if she could qualify mm. it in that way. But just to say, Big, you were a mistake. I made the wrong decision. I chose the wrong guy. It's completely ridiculous. Yeah, I've ruined my life as I take his life insurance money to buy these brand new, you know, <laughs> brand new homes all around New York mm. in, this, in this economy. I did read yeah. a review just on the Carrie Aiden storyline. Great review in Time magazine from a journo named Katie Lang. It was a really interesting review that said it's so jarring to watch Carrie seriously asking Miranda whether her nearly 20-year relationship with Big was a big mistake. So Big might not have been everyone's idea of the perfect partner for Carrie, but he was Carrie's husband. And this Mm. review says, like his much maligned fashion, Aiden's return is ill-fitting and out of character. I'm happy to accept the possibility that Aiden is the right one for her and it's working now because it's the right time for both of them. I don't think we have to say it had Mm. to be one or the other. It can be both. Mm. And that's often the case for people in a lifetime. Totally. And I think you see it now... um, I, I, not to go back to the the maudlin topic of being a widower, but I think it's so lovely when you see people that have lost a beloved, you know, after many, many years of a beautiful relationship, building a life together, and then the horror of losing that person. And then, you know, the, the springs, the, the green shoots of a potential mate and romance and, and love, like that's going to make sure that your life is prolonged moving forward and, and having these lovely I don't want to call it the twilight years in in your fifties, but your second act. Like I think it's mm. I think it's beautiful to see, and it's an opportunity for them to both enjoy this beautiful relationship. Unfortunately, as you say, Carrie's husband died. He's already divorced. It's not like they're cheating. There's anything mm. you know untoward going on. They've just found each other at this stage of their life where it works. Just allow us yeah. to enjoy that moment, writers. Don't write big out of <laughs> Carrie's life. So we have to address the elephant in the room. How much of this storyline of calling Big a mistake do you think has to do with wiping Chris Noth from the show considering his real-life legal dramas? Interesting observation by you. And I did get that sense when she when she was so adamant about this, you know, it was a mistake, it was a mistake. And again, sure, maybe this is this is my generation or our generation's concept of like this is where you need to separate the art from the artist. Yes. But I think you're right. I think the the writers are probably incredibly conscious of how this will land, um, land in. And maybe it's maybe because we're being in our own little Australian bubble, we don't even understand the microcosm that is America right now. And there's it's so fractured. Okay, it's, so for a show that is trying to be so woke in many ways, it would hmm. have been a very difficult situation to find themselves in when and just like that aired, and Chris Noth made the news for all of the issues and legal mm. issues that are surrounding him. So I can't help wondering if this is a way for them to distance themselves from him a little. What I also want to talk about is Carrie says she's having the best orgasms of her life. At first I thought maybe it's been so long she forgot what it felt like, but what does that say about Franklin? Oh, yeah. He turned out to be a bit yeah. of a wet blanket like, though, didn't he? That was that whole thing seemed like that was just ick. Like 
come over on Thursday night and we'll eat and then at 7.15. We'll write an ad about <laughs> vaginal suppositories and then we'll have sex. <laughs> oh, And then you have the juxtaposition between someone like Naya, who is another character, which I hope there's a season three because I want to see more of her plot line. You know, she's now on the app. She's newly divorced. She's, you know, entering her next phase of her life, having this really hot and heavy, you know, sexual awakening. Meanwhile, Grandma Carrie is putting sex in her eye cow. Not, it's not great. That's gross. Well, well, now Carrie and Aiden are shopping for homewares. That scene was pretty funny. I thought when they decide to rent Che's Airbnb, <laughs> Che's got no appliances or pepper mills or hangers. They go shopping and Carrie says something like they're high on housewares. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> I thought it was a step too far when Carrie says she wants to go to Virginia to meet his children. That seemed very uncarry to me. Yeah. Maybe it's grown up Carrie. You know, she's grown up in the fact that she's going to going to explore every element of what it means to be alive because unlike you I've been consuming all of these reviews and I think one of them that I read and I can't even remember um, who it was penned by so apologies to the to the great reviewer but Carrie is one of the most as a journo and you would know as well as a journo she's so she's not curious about anything she never asks follow-up questions she never (laughs) wants to go and explore things like going to Paris to stay with the Russian felt like she was going to the moon it's like babe just get on the six-hour flight to Charles de Gaulle you'll be fine um, everything is just this big drama. So the fact that she now wants to meet the kids, which is probably one of the most, uh, I, would, I would imagine the most fraught sort of experiences of someone's life being, a, you know, the new partner going into this already um, seemingly, you know, interesting family patchwork. Good on her. I, I look forward to it. I think it's going to be that, that again, that's another thread that I hope that they tease mm. out. Mm. Modern, modern fatherhood and how Aiden copes with, with that, with this new, revitalised love. Well, Carrie does seem really happy, I have to say, but I just, I can't imagine that they're just going to keep us in this beautiful relationship bliss bubble Mm. for the next few episodes. Are they really just going to ride off into the sunset? There's going to be a grenade and I, but it it will be a a delayed explosion, I think. And I think it will have a lot to do with Aiden being so torn between his responsibility and his love for his family in the country in Virginia and Carrie, you know, long distance works for a lot of people. So do you think Carrie's going to dump Aiden or Aiden's going to dump her? Is that how it's going to end with them apart? Yeah. Because remember like every time they broke up and got back together, it was always Carrie was the the big to Aiden, you know, that treated him terribly and and stuff like that. Plot twist. Maybe, yeah, she's the one that gets kicked to the curb. That's a good one. I don't know that he's got the balls to dump her. I mean, he still can't walk into her apartment. They're still shagging in a hotel. Then they have to go to Chase. Is he being a bit mm. of a drama queen about all of that? I read another review that said he's such a wuss. You know, in the if you can't even bear to step foot into that apartment, have you really resolved the past issues? Are you ready to go down that track again? Yeah. I mean, I can understand where he's coming from because there was so much hurt that happened in that place. But, you know, just get some sage or some Palo Alto and just get rid of that. I've heard of saging a place, but what's Palo Alto? So apparently you sage first and then the Palo Alto smells like beautiful cedar. It's lovely. It's quite calming as well. It's really, it's really nice. 
You can tell I'm a white woman of a certain age <laughs> with disposable income. <laughs> oh, gin and tonic for three, please. <laughs> Me too. There you go. I have to say, Aiden, I'm glad Aiden's looking better. I was a little concerned that first scene with that horrific jacket. Oh, God, oh. I still don't get it. Can anyone explain? I even I... spoke to the costume designers and they can't explain it. He's looking better, though. Really? Mm. Yeah, because it's interesting because his physicality and the, and his aesthetic has always been an interesting marker as a character for him. Remember when there was that conversation that Carrie and Samantha had when they got back together and Carrie brings up, no, the tummy and the turquoise are gone. He's a trimmer. He cut his hair. He was, you know, yeah. part owner in a bar. Yeah. It is interesting that he's sort of been that yeah the way that that male character has been viewed specifically through that female lens, which is quite subversive even now I think. Hmm. Well, let's see where that is going to go. Okay, let's talk about some other stuff that happened in the episode. The other storyline that I really enjoyed was this this shift in the dynamic between Carrie and Seema. As a single woman, I really got this mm. because so often you make plans with other friends, the person you've made plans with meets someone and you think, oh, great, I'm happy for them. But on the other end, you think, oh, shit, that's ruined our plans. We had a holiday plan for next year. How's that going to work out? Like that has literally happened to me. Yeah. I enjoyed this storyline. What did you make of it? Loved it. I love Seema as a character. I think she brings this tenacity and this grit and yeah. probably grounds Carrie a little bit. And I, that scene really hit me where, you know, she tried, tries to avoid her and then they have that, you know, the, the tit for tat outside. And I'm like you, I think as I get older, I'm putting more value on my female friendships and I am going back. And rather than thinking about how like past romantic relationships as a straight woman where, you know, I had relationships with, with blokes. Yeah, that's all well and good. You kind of deal with that because there's that finality to it. Whereas I'm now going back through my life thinking about how I can be a better friend and where I may have let myself down and let my friends down more horrifically and what I can learn from that and how to be a better friend. And it's interesting because my best friend, she's she's had this sort of revelation where she's like, you know, I'm in my 40s now. I only want to surround myself with people that know what they want. They're calm. There's no, there's no drama. Not to sound like a Seth Rogen, you know, boundaries list, but you need to make sure that all of your relationships as a woman are treated equally. Mm. So Seema, Seema is, is wonderful. And I think she, I think she's probably someone that I identify the most with yeah. as, you know, you, you're looking for someone, but it's not the be all and end all. I think the conversation they had outside the hairdressing salon was such a wonderful example of setting boundaries for Seema asking yeah. for what she needed. It was very mature. It was very grown up. It was a difficult conversation to have with a friend. And I mm -hmm. think if I was in that situation, yeah. what would I do? I don't think I'd be brave enough to have that conversation. I'd kind of just ignore it. I wouldn't bring up the issue. We'd stop speaking to each other so often and then eventually kind of fade out of each other's lives rather than just having the courage to address an uncomfortable issue. Yeah. As someone who's really turned off Carrie this episode, this must have irked you because <laughs> this was peak Carrie selfishness. <clears throat> Carrie says she forgot about the Hamptons. How do you just forget about an entire summer of plans that you made mm -hmm. with a good friend? And then she says, oh, he won't be there every week. Was Carrie just assuming she would bring Aiden to the summer house yeah. every other weekend without <laughs> even discussing it with Seema? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then see, I like the way that Seema positioned it saying, 
she offset it initially and said, you know, I just, I canceled because I didn't want you to lose money. And then she, old mate's carrying on, like, I don't care about the money. And it just goes to show, she, yeah, she, she just, she has absolutely no, no clue. I, I find Seema's character and maybe it's probably because of like, you know, where I'm at in my life, more exciting and more what she sort of, how she conducts herself in some of her lines especially that speech outside the Warren Chacromi salon, probably more inspirational than the Barbie speech in the Barbie movie by <laughs> America Ferrera. Really? Yeah. Like, yeah. Her reason for cancelling it out and wanting to have distance from Carrie, that was the other selfish Carrie thing. When Seema says, look, I just, I need space. I'm asking you for space. And Carrie goes, no, you can't have space. Yeah. No. Space gives friends more space. But the audacity, you already forgot that you had a booking and now you're, now you're demanding that you you're in, in, in each other's pockets, yeah. Do you think the writers know yeah, I, that? Are they writing Carrie deliberately to appear <laughs> as selfish as she is? Do they understand how it comes across? Yeah. Do you think she's always been this way? Yeah, apparently she has. I mean, I think there were glimpses of it and everyone, there's a lot of chat about how she was always this selfish. We just kind of didn't see it in the first season. But I still love Carrie. She's not perfect. No one is. What I wanted to ask you about this scene is... Something I didn't quite understand, where Seema was coming from. Is she jealous? Uh-huh. Is she jealous of Carrie's new relationship? Mm. Yes, because she did sort of frame it saying, you know, you've had this one big love. Yeah, now you've got this other big love that's come back into your life. You know, it's a jungle out there. For, that's interesting. It is a jungle. She keeps like, you know, she hasn't said it, but it is a jungle out there. She wears a lot of that bold leopard. Yeah, She's she very does. alpha. She lets off that real strong, independent energy. But I maybe I, I glossed over that because I went straight to what she was talking about. I don't like the way I feel if he's there. What does that mean? Oh, okay. how does she, but how does she feel? Because she's like the third wheel. It's it's my favourite position. If you're looking for a third wheel, yes. I'm pretty good at it. Seema <laughs> yeah. says to Carrie, you're right, she says something like, you've had two great loves and I've had none. And she doesn't want to spend mm. the summer having this feeling. I'd never seen that side of Seema before. I thought she was a single, very happy, empowered woman, very confident and empowered mm. in her singleness. Now suddenly are we mm. meant to believe that she's secretly pining for a relationship and miserable because she doesn't have a man? Yeah, maybe. Or maybe it's just showing a little bit of her vulnerability because we saw her end that relationship with the previous guy Zed. where she she just let yeah, she just left and said that was a red flag and I and I'm out. The penis pump guy oh, or God, Zed who always oh. wanted money. <laughs> <laughs> you said you wanted to be an investor yeah. and still lives with his ex-wife. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't understand when she, she said she said she doesn't like how she's going to feel. I wasn't mm. sure what she was referring to. The feeling of jealousy, mm. the feeling of being the third wheel, the feeling of... Feeling of loneliness. Loneliness. Yeah. See, I would not have cancelled that Hamptons house. I would let Carrie pay her half. Yeah. I would be going there every weekend. I don't care who you bring. I'm in the Hamptons in this magnificent home with the pool, inviting all my friends every weekend to come and hang with me. Seema, what were you thinking? Yeah, exactly. Totally. Then, then she just turns up at dinner and I felt like something was missing there. How did we go from I can't be around you in your love bubble to, hey, what's everyone drinking? And I would have liked to know how Seema got herself from the conversation outside the hairdressing salon, I don't like how I'm going to feel this summer, yeah. 
to, okay, yeah. I'm coming to dinner to meet your new guy. Yeah, it was such a jump cut. But it also reminded me when that when Carrie wanted to introduce Big to the to the gals and he was like, I'm not coming, I'm not coming. And then all of a sudden he comes down the stairs and That's surprises right. her. That's right. Um, yeah. Because I think she's got, Seema's got Big, Big and Samantha energy, but it's in 2023. So it, it's being displayed differently. Yes. Okay, let's talk about Miranda. Going back to work, getting all the good <sighs> jobs and the promotion. The other interns are pissed off about it. Do you reckon they have a right to be miffed? Absolutely not. Look, I, I get it, and I don't know what it's like in the um, the diplomatic world or, the, or things like that. But this woman had thirty, what, what four, almost forty years experience as a lawyer, as a corporate lawyer, made partner, made so many sacrifices for her career, and to think that they are just she's just going to be treated like some twenty six year old. No, check yourself. Like, again, she, could she handle it differently? Probably. But again, that's a really interesting talking point for those of us in the real world as well. Those kids may have been there first, but Miranda's the one that's <sighs> more qualified. And you know what? She's the best person for the job. Suck it up, kids. That's life. <laughs> Get used to it. So what, Learn how, from her. Yeah, learn. You're right. Learn from her. How do you think Miranda could have handled it differently? Maybe for not being so um, apologetic. I feel that like that's her now default setting when she's in a situation where she's not familiar with because she feels so untethered herself. She doesn't really know how to respond to situations. She wants to make sure that she's saying the right thing, appearing to to do the right thing. Yeah, I think she just needs to. We need to. We need season one Miranda Hobbs energy in and just like that. Season one, as in Sex in the City, or you mean season one of and just like that? Season one, Sex and the City, Miranda Hobbs yeah. in and just like that. Yeah. But yeah. what was the yeah. thing with the garlic cookies? I felt like, oh, God, are we going down the marijuana brownies again? We already had that last episode <laughs> with Charlotte. Don't do it again. That's right. Wasn't that weird? <laughs> there was. I don't know what the symbolism of that means. Maybe maybe it symbolises her in the, in the office setup, like she's the garlic in this cookie. Right. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it sounds weird, but it works. She's the odd one out. I don't know. It was it was all a bit weird. <laughs> well, Charlotte also has a back to work storyline here. I love that scene where she gathers the kids and and Harry and the dog around to announce. Okay, guys, it was a big announcement. It was such a big moment for her. I thought that was cute, and the way the kids were like, "Okay, see ya, bye, off you go." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it just goes to show how lucky some people would be to have their parents, even just one parent at home for like, because the kids are quite old now. Like they're in their latter years of high school, I would imagine. I don't really understand how the American system sort of works. But oh yeah, I like this. I like the fact that she's getting back to her. And I think the thing is, she's good at her job, like really good at her job. I think that's the, the, the interesting part that I think Harry and the kids are going to focus on. It's like she's asking for their permission or approval in a way or she wanted them to say, she. it was like, was she giving them one last opportunity to say, Mum, please don't go back to work, we need you here? Maybe. Or was it her setting boundaries saying, this is what I want to do, it's my time now, let's move forward as a family? They've done very well as parents. Now it's time to kind of like loosen the reins a little bit or loosen the apron strings. 
I didn't like the storyline about fitting into the dress, the menopause belly. Yes, I can identify with that all the way, but the way they went about it. I mean, making a statement about women's bodies, I get, and she's saying she's been doing bone broth all week and then she wears so many spanks she can hardly walk or breathe. Why was she so desperate to get into that dress? If it didn't fit her properly or she didn't like the way it looked, find something else. I understand you're going back to work and probably with a lot of young people and there was a lot of anxiety about that and she wanted to look good. But I'm I'm going mm. through this exact thing now with the menopausal belly. And, yes, I've had a flat stomach my whole yeah. life and suddenly there's a muffin top there that will not budge. Yeah. So I'm, I'm self-conscious about it, but I just wear clothes to hide mm. it, which is what makes yeah. me feel better. Or that better. you're comfortable in. Yes. So yeah. I don't know. What am I missing about Charlotte's personality that she was so dedicated to that one dress and belt (laughs) (laughs) and the belt didn't look good but I think you're right but it is interesting that she is a product of her environment of like the you know the gallerinas that she explains you know they're all teeny tiny and and waif-like in the in the gallery world and I assume in in New York in the 90s and stuff like that I mean heaven forbid we're now seeing Edward Enfield has just put all of the, you know, the 90 supermodels back on the cover of Vogue. They look exactly the same, even all these <laughs> years later. So you can imagine why some people um, that probably came up through that era are just feeling they don't really know how to sort of lean into that body, not even positivity, just neutrality. But I think I did love the way that when she did arrive at the gallery, there were those, you know, the beautiful young faces like beaming and, and welcoming her. And then I love the fact that her boss, you know, she was just, she, had, like she kind of showed off her midriff. I loved it. And then Charlotte went in and just like ripped off all the spanks. I'm like, okay, good. But I just was disappointed it took that for Charlotte mm. to feel comfortable. Mm. Yeah. Making Charlotte. Especially as a, as a, as a, a mum to, you know, a woman and a um, gender fluid person. You kind of think that what she's saying at home, because you don't want your kids to see that sort of behaviour. Well, but there she you did, go. She kind of she couldn't walk out and like she just couldn't even breathe because she was in so many spanks. Yeah, right. I hadn't thought of that. What message is that giving to her two kids at home? Mm. The scene of Charlotte and Anthony on the phone to each other. I want to touch on this. <laughs> it was so hilarious. They were having a whole conversation, but they weren't talking to each other. They were just talking <laughs> at each other. Charlotte would say something, <laughs> stop talking. Anthony would say something, stop talking. They don't answer each other or engage in any way. But I love the way that they were just connecting on this, like almost a cellular level. Like the, the issues were the same. They were confused about, you know, themselves and that's how they were thrashing it out. I, I love, I love him. But I they just him. kind of spewed everything out, didn't acknowledge what the <laughs> other was saying, didn't offer any advice or comfort. And then at the end of it, before they hang up, Charlotte goes, bye, thanks for listening. <laughs> you too. <laughs> you too, my food's here. <laughs> Anthony and Giuseppe recreating the ghost pottery scene was pretty funny with the bread dough. But oh, <laughs> yeah, it's. I love it because it's showing me a side of humanity that I don't. I don't have an insight into. And yeah, how you know Anthony is. You know, on the on the older scale, and he even says, you know, I'm an older gay guy. We just don't do that. And then. Giuseppe's sort of like opening him up or trying to talk about, like literally just telling him you need to open up to more love. I think that's going to be really interesting to see where that goes. I think it's quite a beautiful little union. I love Giuseppe. I think he's a gorgeous little addition. Isn't he beautiful? They're an odd couple though. They're not, what, what does Giuseppe see in Anthony? I can see what Anthony sees in Giuseppe. Everyone can see what Anthony sees in Giuseppe. His poetry. Good with his words. <laughs> um, I don't think he probably sees him as like this sassy cheeky 
driven bloke, which he probably really likes. Anthony says he's trying to be professional and the reason he doesn't want to hook up with Giuseppe is because he works for him and he's trying to be professional. But hold on a second. Moments before he says that, he's literally on the phone to one of his customers telling her she's eating too much bread and to eat a protein. So if you want to be professional, Anthony, maybe start with the way you talk to your customers. (laughs) Or your entire business model where you're objectifying men. (laughs) <laughs> love hate love hate yeah Che's yeah. friendship with Carrie I do I do enjoy this friendship I don't know where you've been at because this is the first time we've had you on the podcast the whole Che Miranda relationship seems to have been a huge miss but I've said it yeah. the last couple of episodes I enjoy Che without Miranda and I enjoy seeing the Che and Carrie friendship yeah I didn't like them at the start where it was so I didn't really um, enjoy the sexual undertones of of them to start with I I just enjoy them as an individual character now and I like I've liked the tension between Carrie and them uh didn't enjoy the Miranda plotline I think it was I think it was weird very very odd thank god the writers realized it was just a big fizzle and got rid of it all what did you think yeah. of that moment where Carrie's teaching Aiden about the pronouns? Because I saw some criticism online about that not being necessary. I think it was great. And I think as mm. someone who still trips up and still yeah, sometimes bye. refers to Che as she and her, and I know it's they and them, and I correct myself, mm. and I go through this podcast, Jenna, and I edit it, and mm. I try and make sure that the end result is respectful and that I refer to Che as they and them, but I'm sure I've still missed a couple of she's. I'm oh. I'm learning. It's new for me to refer to someone as they and them and not she or he. And I'm learning. We all are. We all and I, I don't I couldn't give a shit about political correctness. I just want to make sure that I'm respectful and people go. feel that they are seen and heard and and we understand their experiences. So that's why I appreciate when people tell me their pronouns. So yeah, I think we're all learning. We're all on a all on a journey and I think they can't be firing up at people for tripping up on on things like this because we're all we're all learning. And that's mm. why I think that's why the Che character has been probably pivotal to the show. I mean, because when you think about it, Aiden would be would be representatives in that writer's room of middle America of, you know, he's a, he's a steak and three veg type of beer drinking guy, loves that loves his sport and lives in the country. Mm-hmm. So they'd probably be wanting to ha- reach those types of viewers as well. And it was great that they didn't make it a big thing like, oh, what does this mean? Why is it they? Why is it them? He was just like, yeah. oh, okay, it's they, them. Great. Okay. Cool. Move on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about fashion. So I've already touched on the floor-length dressing gown being worn in the street. What the actual? That is not fashion forward. It's an ugly dressing gown. I've loved your chats with the um, with the costume designers where I feel like maybe Patricia Field put such a focus on the symbolism to fashion. And I, I, shut it, I, I still think that they do. They must know what that all represents because the fact that she was wearing the dressing gown what appeared to look like a dressing gown. She was carrying the tote bag. She had the the Birkenstocks, which was more jarring than the conversation when she's talking about Aiden <laughs> and being in the bubble. It's like, are you comfortable? Are you like, are you checking out? What is that? Yeah, it takes pajama dressing to the whole to a whole other level. I think the standout dresser in terms of fashion is Miranda this season. She's definitely getting better. Oh, she had some shockers just, in LA. Oh, there were some looks I couldn't uh, yeah. deal with in LA. 
Her West Coast vibe was not good. <laughs> yeah. It was terrible. They do not belong. Definitely improved now that she's come back to New York. Absolutely. And the, her hair, yeah, her hair's slicked back and she's wearing a lot of those beautiful jewel tones that just make her pop on screen. Because, you know, I think we've seen her so suited up in the original Sex and the City. Yes. So it's nice to see her sort of lean into suiting and the corporate sense, but with beautiful patterns and relaxed shapes. And I think, yeah, that beautiful cashmere coat that she wears, it's got the purple and the yellow in it. It's it's beautiful. I found with this episode, I was surprised. I looked back, I watched it twice. There was no standout positive fashion moment for me. There were just three big misses. <laughs> there was Carrie's dressing gown. There was Lisa yeah. Todd Wexley when she goes shopping with Charlotte and she's wearing a yellow blanket as a wrap. Like she's got yeah. that purple dress on the green fanny pack. But then it's literally, I think it's just a blanket that she's got thrown over a shot. Like she's taken it off the kid's spare bed and thrown it over <laughs> her shoulders. And then there was the linen jacket the movie producer or director was wearing when he meets Seema oh, yeah. in her office. Just, is he going on a safari or something? He could have, lo- <laughs> I just felt like he could have looked a lot sexier than yeah. he did. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot going on with that bloke, TBC. There's a lot of layering, a lot of layering, mm. even with the, um, the snow bomb episode where they're, ridiculously walking through the, you know, the, the blizzard and carries in the Moncler Valentino puffer. Yeah. That, that, that for me was like the epitome of sex in the city. Like, of course, because yes. I can't even walk in the rain without Grinch being a Grinch, but yeah, you're right. There was, I think it, maybe it kind of took a back seat to sort of see where the characters sort of took it on their own, like let them sort of off their trainer wheels mm. and said, okay, let's let the script carry you through. For a show that prides itself on its maximalist fashion, this was very minimalist, this episode, mm. other, other than the dressing gown, which I can't, I just can't. I, I <laughs> can't never, deal with it. You never get past it. Because I can't do it. So there was no oh. moment from this episode that jumped out for you. It was all pretty subtle, wasn't it? It was all pretty subtle. Yeah, the only part, part that I was like you, I think that scene where they're walking from, from lunch and the dressing gown for you and the Birkenstocks for me, I was like, I mean, I didn't hate it. I was just, I was surprised. Well, it's good that the show is still surprising us after all this time. Yeah. And let's hope it continues to do so for the last few episodes. Can you believe we're nearing the end? Oh, my goodness. So thank you so much, Jenna, for joining me on the podcast. I love getting new perspectives on the show. And as a true fan, uh, I really enjoyed just discussing it all with you. So thank you so much. Love the pod. Love you. Thank you for having me on, Sammy. I really appreciate it. This episode brought to you by the amazing team at The Hidden Sea Wines. You can check them out and order your delicious vino at thehiddensea.com.